Welcome in on this Friday morning to Sports Decaf. It's your boy, Tariq Abdullah. It's your boy, Tariq Fatul. And before we start off the show today, we got to shout out my Texas Longhorns for becoming the NIT champions. Much love out there. Curran Roach dropped 16-9 and last night. Hook em horns. But today, we got some football, we got some basketball, we, we, we got all the juice for you. Today, we're going to talk about some Stephen Curry shooting lights out. You know, he just became a more deadly shooter than he already is. We're going to talk about, you know, some issues going on in the league with the referees and players and coaches. We're going to get more into that later on. And then some LeBron James recruiting. It's not looking too good for Space Jam 2. And will that, you know, carry on into free agency? But to start off the show, Aaron Rodgers, Mark McCarthy. Aaron Rodgers has stated that Mike McCarthy has one of the lowest IQs for a head coach. How do you feel? Um, First of all, we got to go go deeper into this and t- tell everyone the backstory between the, the relationship between the two. Um, whenever Aaron Rodgers first got drafted, obviously <clears throat> Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken, and they chose 49ers. 49ers, excuse me. And they chose Alex Smith at number one. And Aaron Rodgers had a chip on his shoulder. Didn't really like Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy got the job in Green Bay, became his head coach, and Aaron Rodgers kind of already had a chip on his shoulder, not like the dude. So they already had a fueling a, a fueling tension going on in Green Bay to begin with. Um, how I feel about the situation, however, is I don't kind of agree with Aaron Rodgers. I feel like in a personal perspective, and think of it like this, if you do not like someone, every single action that, that they're going to do it's just going to irritate you a little more than any action a regular person would do. So if you don't like that's that's how I feel like especially in the real world if you do not like someone every action that they're going that they, excuse me that they do is just going to irritate you. So probably the the coaching change, excuse me, the plays that Mike McCarthy had and whatnot cuz there was multiple reports that Aaron Rodgers changed one third of the play calling in the season. I mean, that's ridiculous. And he, he had to. I mean, no, he really did it. And then you had you had young receivers kind of question where whether I got to listen to Rodgers or I got to listen to coach. And as your best player, if you're not buying into the system, how is your younger player going to buy into the system? Excuse me, buy into the system. So I feel like Aaron Rodgers c- could have been a little more mature about the situation. I mean, he's a grown man. And, I mean, obviously, if he passed up on you in the draft, so be it. You know, use your, use your fueling tension on other coaches in the league. Don't use it on your own coach. And, I mean, other than that, if you really are about winning championships – you can't be against your you can't be against your own. How I feel about this is Aaron Rodgers is on point. I mean, Mike McCarthy is, you know, one garbage coach in the league. If not, I mean, I agree with the statement, one of the lowest IQs. I mean, it just goes back to their playoff performances. I mean, like you said, the guy changed one third of the plays. And he I mean he had a reason to. He said these plays Mike McCarthy was calling, it it's as if they worked one out of fifty times. I mean, a lot of players had his back on it. But a lot of players weren't on his side in terms of, you know, the way he handled things. But overall, I mean, what's it, Aaron Rodgers has a reason. I mean, the guy is the best quarterback in the history of the NFL if you take out rings in success like Tom Brady. I mean, if you take out the six rings and you take out the one ring that Aaron Rodgers has and you just watch football, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. I mean, the guy has the highest passing rating. He has the, the best touchdown uh, interception ratio in the history of the NFL. I mean, he just came off of a season throwing 25 touchdowns, two interceptions. And, I mean, there was reports that when Aaron Rodgers seemed to get injured and he was out, like we saw, you know, last season, a little bit of this season, 
They said this team was lost and delusional. It's as if no one in the locker room wanted to play football anymore. And, I mean, if you're a good head coach, you got to, you know, step in there whenever your best guy is out and, you know, get those guys going. But Mike McCarthy has never seemed to show that. I mean, there's also been reports, you know, I believe it was the 2015 or 2015 NFC Championship game. It's the first half. The Packers are at the one-yard line, and twice this happened that they went for a field goal. I mean, for a coach, that just that just lowers your IQ as it is. I mean, you're at the one-yard line. It's the first half of the game. You know, there's not much to lose, and you're going for field goals. I mean, that that's just – I mean, that's why you can see Aaron Rodgers calling these audibles, changing plays, because, I mean, he's, he's the man of the show in Green Bay. And without him, this team – this team should have more success than what they have, and a lot of reason for that is uh, Mike McCarthy limiting their potential. Um, I disagree on the on the fact that Mike McCarthy was limiting their potential. If you look at the the current roster that they had, all their superstars, all their good offensive players were aging and were kind of out of shape by then. And then I look at it like this: There's seven coaches in the NFL with a ring. Mike McCarthy is one of them. I think if you're if you're a good coach, you're going to win a ring. I, no no bad coaches are going to win a ring in the NFL. That's what it comes down to. Um, I, I lo- also look at someone like Andy Reid. Andy Reid is a hell of a coach. He doesn't have a ring. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Mike McCarthy, obviously he had Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. But, I mean, at the same time, you got to be a good coach but to Andy win a Reed ring. Andy Reid didn't have Aaron Rodgers. Okay, but I'm just saying, though, like Mike, Mike McCarthy, you got like, – b- b- back to my point is you have to be a good coach to win a ring in the NFL, and that's what it comes down to. If you, Obviously, you're going to talk about the coaching changes and the play calling and whatnot. Well, why don't we flip it and say all the good stuff that he did? Winning conference championships, going to the Super Bowl, win, going 15-1. and one. You know, a bunch of winning seasons in, in the NFL is like – I just feel like there's a lot of biasing towards Mike McCarthy and that there was already a, a beginning hatred towards Mike McCarthy to begin with. I just don't think he's the right fit. I mean, you got Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Tom Brady said it himself whenever they met this may, possibly the final time of, you know, the Brady-Aaron Rodgers rivalry going on, if, if you call it a rivalry. So after the game, you know, Aaron Rodgers went up to him and said, you know, man, you're the, you're the greatest. Tom Brady's like, no, if you were on this team, you'd probably have 10 rings. I mean, it all, sh- it all, it all comes to show that Mike McCarthy limited the potential of arguably but then that's, what I but then the you're just I just feel like then you're just comparing, like, it's unfair to compare Mike McCarthy to a Bill Belichick. That's not an unfair well, comparison. Well, we're comparing six. Because if you put, like, you know, in, but in, for example, if you put Tony Romo in the so, Patriots I mean, system, I mean, you're sitting here saying well. Aaron Rodgers should have one ring. No, I'm not saying that. I'm, but like at the same time, is like so. You, so wait, pretty you gotta much, put, you gotta much put blame. You're trying to get no, to. you you have to put is blame. Aaron Rodgers has office. one ring. It's on himself. Did I not? Did, okay, look, you cannot flip shit on me because you. No, I just said about the front office issues and how they had a bunch of you know stars and whatnot, aging and whatnot. I just think it's unfair for even a coach to kind of coach that team and whatnot, especially with what was going on with injuries and and all the stuff that was going on in Green Bay. I do feel like this though. Mike McCarthy, there's definitely some room. To, there's definitely some room for him to be blamed on. Don't get me wrong, but you also got to blame the front office in this instance as well. I mean, I, I blame the front office a little bit. They I mean they didn't surround Aaron Rodgers with pieces that you know you'd give a star quarterback, such as you know Tom Brady. He had Gronkowski. You know they always made it happen. They got him Randy Moss at one point. They got to the Super Bowl. They've got him all kinds of you know slot receivers, Julian Edelman. You know, I mean the list goes on. But overall. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has never really had, you know, that special guy. I mean, Devontae Adams, he's a nice, he's a nice receiver, but you put him on any other team, 
he's just an all right guy. Aaron Rodgers just makes guys better. He's done that with Jordy Nelson. He's done that with Greg Jennings. I mean, he's done that with a lot of guys in the league. Jimmy Graham, he made him look nice for a little bit. Although he did look nice in New Orleans. And how how but, is that a Mike McCarthy issue then? That's a front office issue, isn't I mean, it? You gotta, as a head coach, if you're going to be considered you know, a good coach in the NFL, you've got to be able to innovate what you got. You got to be able to make things happen. You got to be able to de- develop a culture. I mean, you got Ty Montgomery at running back. There's got to be at some point where you go into that roster and figure out who's going to be your starting running back. I mean, you got a guy who played wide receiver all of his college career, and he just comes into the NFL at running back. I mean, he's almost built like a tight end. But overall, I just think Mike McCarthy limited Aaron Rodgers' potential. I think Aaron Rodgers right now should have three rings. He should have three Super Bowls. The 2010 Super Bowl that they won. 2011, they went 15-1 and and didn't win. I mean, there's just a, there's, there's a lot of wrong that happened, and a lot's to blame is Mike McCarthy. You brought up the Ty Montgomery issue. I mean, I just I, I'm going to keep saying this. I just feel like that's a front office issue. You drafted that dude. You got him and whatnot. Mike McCarthy's going to try to use him for his best ability. I think, and I, 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 I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, am I thinking, thinking of this in a narrow aspect? I just feel like this. There's six coaches, including Mike McCarthy, that have won an NFL championship. Like, only six out of, what, 32 teams? So having that, it's like I just feel like that's an accomplishment within itself. You have to be a good coach to win an NFL championship. I don't. I, don't, I will never see a bad coach win, win an NFL championship because you know why? In the Super Bowl, what do you have to do to, uh, to prepare for the game? Watch film, make your adjustments, see what the defense is going to do, whatnot. And then you also have to make adjustments within the game, see what, see what kind of offense they're running, see what's not working within your offense. So I think Mike McCarthy was a solid coach. I just, and I definitely agree with you on this. He probably was limiting uh, Aaron Rodgers' potential. But you know who else was? The front office. I mean, the front office plays a role, but it comes to a point where, you know, 13 years, you've got the greatest quarterback of all time. The, the issue of the matter is when Aaron Rodgers seems to go down, this team has no hope at a playoffs. This team has no hope at winning games. They have no culture. It's as if no one wants to play football anymore. And a lot has to do with, you know, the leader of that team. And, I mean, the guy holding everyone together is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's doing it on the field. He's doing it off the field. I mean, when he's injured, this, this team can't seem to win games. Uh, I mean, they're, they're in a playoff is, spot is he really, last season. When he's out, I mean, they completely fall out to the playoffs. Is he really holding that team together off the field, though? Because, I mean, you look at what Greg Jennings said. You look at what other receivers said. Well, I mean, you gotta they look were kind of questioning about – loss. No, uh, but I'm talking about off the field. I said off the field. I'm, I'm kind of – they were kind of questioning what Aaron Rodgers was saying to, to you know, Coach McCarthy and – Kind of like they were kind of just questioning was kind of like suspect about what was going on with him and Mike McCarthy is like you don't know if everyone was on Aaron Rodgers side or if everyone was on Mike McCarthy side, but they were just confused. They were like, why is our star player so salty about, you know, not getting drafted number one and whatnot? I just like for me, the way I think of it is I just feel like Aaron Rodgers had a notion that he did not like Mike McCarthy the moment he stepped through that door. And I feel like with that notion is that. Every single coach and change and whatnot, because hear me out, you know, if you read the articles and whatnot, whenever they were winning, there was nothing, there was no tension going on. Yeah. All this tension started happening whenever they started losing. And I just feel like if you already do not like someone, because you know this, winning is, is the cure for all issues. It, it cures every single thing that can go on. But whenever you start losing, it's like, okay, you do not like this dude. So every single thing that he's going to do, every little action that he does, every little play call that he does, 
you're gonna, you know, you you might not disagree. I mean, excuse me, you might not agree with anything. And I just feel like there was already a notion towards Mike McCarthy is like every little action that he did, Aaron Rodgers was already gonna be kind of frustrated with what was what was excuse me with what was going on. See, and in that matter, I mean, I I, I don't agree with Aaron Rodgers the way he handled it. I mean, you got you got to get to some point where you got to get over your feelings. But overall, I mean, I feel where he's coming from. You know, 13 year tenure with a head coach who, you know, come draft day said Alex Smith is, you know, the right quarterback. He's better than you. I mean, I understand that if you're mad year one, year two, but to carry on thir- through a 13, you know, year tenure, I mean, I'm not all up for that. But where Aaron Rodgers' frustration comes is, I mean, when he's when he's not playing and he's injured, this team can't win games. And, I mean, I mean you, you, you look back and you're like, you know, the reason for this team's success is me and a coach like McCarthy's, you know, getting the credit. He's not that good of a coach. And, I mean, if anyone can – really call out a coach's IQ would be the quarterback. I mean, they see things before it happens. And Roger, I mean, a lot of guys on that team, you know, have taken his side in terms of, you know, he's right about the whole situation, but they've turned against him in the sense that, you know, the way he handled things with his relationship with McCarthy was not as professional and it's not the way things should be done, which which is the way to put things into perspective. Yeah, and and I look at it like this: if you're, I just feel like Aaron Rodgers should have been a better leader, and that's I, I, that's that's what I think of. I think he could have definitely handled the situation better, calling out your coach and whatnot. And then there was there was multiple things in the article saying that he was, or it was a rumor exactly that he said that Mike McCarthy would skip team meetings to get massages. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. And that that was that what was going on. That, that's the thing that was going on in Green Bay. A lot of people said that he was getting massages while you know during film and whatnot. I just feel like Aaron Rodgers kind of handled it in the wrong way. Told a lot of players that Mike McCarthy didn't know what the hell he was doing. I think Aaron Rodgers could have handled it better. And I'm not saying this. I I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Mike McCarthy is a bad coach. But I do not think that. Excuse me. I, I I don't think that he's a great coach, but I don't think he has the lowest IQ of all time. Or, or excuse me, lowest. IQ I don't think for he's him. a good coach. I just think that you got to be a good coach to win an NFL championship. I mean, when you got a bad man like Aaron Rodgers, anything's possible. I mean, he makes it happen. That's why he's the best. But uh, let's switch it up to some NBA talk. Stephen Curry. You know, I can relate to him on this. You know, as a young hooper, you know, hooping hooping without glasses is a tough thing to do. So Curry's been battling with a astigmatism about his whole career. So he recently got contacts, and he's been shooting lights out. It's like Kyle Kuzma, he tweeted out, it's like putting a scope onto a gun. I mean, I feel like the basket, the basket got bigger, or is, you know, Curry just on a nice shooting streak? How do you feel about all this? Um, I can also relate to you and to Steph Curry because, you know, back in high school, I used to play with glasses. My junior year, I took it off, and I, you know, I, used, I, I played without glasses and whatnot. Everything was blurry. I will say this, though. It's not that big of a deal. Like, if you look at, if you look at the, like, you playing and you playing with glasses and whatnot, things are the same. Like, you might not have a great – the only thing that I can say or testify is that your awareness of the game is a little, low, is a little lower. Excuse me. You don't know you, – everything's blurry. You don't really know – you don't know what's going on and whatnot, but – Shooting wise and whatnot, I don't think that it's that big of a deal. He's shooting forty three percent this month. Last month he was shooting thirty seven percent. You look at the month before that, I mean, and the prior months before that, he was shooting forty six percent from the from the arc, forty seven percent, forty nine percent. So he was lining up to begin with. You know, in the month of October, he was shooting what like fifty percent from the from the three point line. So he's been doing this. I just think that he had a bad month, and that players kind of you know and excuse and the media as well. They kind of just jumped to a notion that oh my gosh, this guy has contacts now. 
the league, you know, everything's done for. I don't, I don't think of it like that. I just think that, okay, you got contacts. You might be, you might have more awareness, but I just don't think of it as a way that, oh, you're just going to become a better shooter. Well, you got to look at the stats with the contacts. I mean, without the contacts from February 17th to March 13th, which is 11 games he played, he was shooting 36.6%, and that's 48 out of 131 uh, attempts. So with the contact lenses, which was his last nine games before the Lakers game last night, I mean, that's from March 16th to April 2nd, he was shooting 51.4%, 56 out of 109 attempts. So, I mean, right when he got the contacts – you know, a difference happened. And within those nine games, he made at least five threes in each game up until last night, which I'm not really going to, you know, judge him by last night's performance because that game was over from the beginning. I mean, the Warriors just dominated. It got to a point where the Warriors were just out there having fun. They weren't even playing the win. I mean, it was just that easy. They were playing against the Lakers bench. But I, th I think it's made a difference. I think he's become – Arguably, he's added a little bit to his uh, three-point shooting percentage. And I think, you know, he earned some of his VC points, definitely. You know, if you're playing a game of 2K and you implement some contacts on your guy, I guess your three-point percentage goes up. They should add that into the new 2K. But overall, what I want to get to is I think he's a better shooter with the contact lenses. I think the numbers show. But I don't want to jump, you know, I don't want to hype this situation up too much. I'm going to wait, see how these last, you know, four games end, how it carries on into the playoffs before I say, you know, man, this guy is even better than what he was. I mean, yeah, no doubt. But, I mean, I'm, I'm also going to look at this team heading into the playoffs, and it's like, can Steph Curry keep those shooting numbers up? He, he might. Like, that's, that's what it comes down to. He really might. I mean, if he does, this team is blowing through the playoffs. I mean, I, the, the way I think of it is, like, this team was probably already going to blow through the playoffs. If you look at Steph Curry throughout his career, I mean, he's always been a 42% a and above three-point shooter. So it's like him having these contacts. I don't want to jump to a conclusion and, you know, jump on the bandwagon with, with everyone and saying that, oh, you know, he's going to become a knockdown shooter or even more of what he, what he was. But I just think that, you know, heading into the playoffs and whatnot, I mean, Golden State is set now. They're ready. You know DeMarcus Cousins playing solid. He de definitely needs to work on his defense. Kevin Durant's doing his thing. Curry's doing his thing as well. Klay Thompson giving them 23 a night. This team is ready. I mean, I'm looking at what this team can do. It's like, man, this team can really go on a run and, and possibly go like 14-2 and two in the playoffs. Like, they can really do that. I have a 14-2 and two run. They can go 13-3, and three, win the whole thing. They I can, can see them. 16-0. I don't think they can go 16-0 due to the fact that it's like, in the conference finals, you're probably going to have to play Houston. And it's like, I don't see Houston getting. I don't see Houston ever getting swept by the Warriors. And and even in the first round, it's like they're gonna be playing OKC probably. And I don't see OKC getting mm -hmm. swept. I see OKC giving them a game or two. But this team can really have a great run, and it starts with Steph Curry. I mean, you look at what Steph Curry did with that team, and whenever he's out, this team is is a horrible team. Honestly, it's really not. Excuse me, it's not a horrible team, but they just do not play up to their standards. You look at their losses to the Mavs. I mean, they were getting blown out by 40 points to the Mavericks at Oracle Arena. Without Steph Curry, and it's like, what is what's this team? I what what is this team's identity without Steph Curry? Like that's what it comes down to. I don't, I really don't know. Well, I mean, I I guess that's the way to put it. But we all know when this when it comes playoff time, this Warriors team is on you know another gear. They seem to shift the gear. They're playing at a phenomenal level right now. I mean, the way they started yesterday yesterday's game. I know, I know it's the Lakers bench unit, but I mean they they went lights out. They were almost at a thirty point lead at the end of the first quarter. And, I mean, they just seem to, you know, slow it down a little bit, take it easy on those Lakers, and kind of, you know, rest their guys and just have fun out there. But 
come playoff time, I think this no no one knows how deadly this Warriors team can be come playoff time. I mean, because Demarcus Cousins, you're gonna get more out of him. Probably they're gonna probably increase his minutes, increase his role. Kevin Durant seems to switch the shift come playoff time. He becomes a a straight baller. All right, Stephen Curry, you know he's gonna do his thing, and Klay Thompson, you just don't want him to get hot. So come playoff time, this Warriors team is already ready, and I think I think we're seeing another we're the only see a three-peat. the only thing about this Warriors team that I'm kind of shaky of is just their depth. I mean, you look at their bench unit, and they really only have like two solid dudes on the bench. It's like Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala can really give you quality minutes. Other than that, it's like these guys really don't have that big of a con- uh, co- contribution, you know, compared to other players. It's like I'm just getting I'm worried as if they play a team like Toronto in the finals. It's like, okay, well, what's going to happen whenever your stars are out, Toronto stars are out? They're, I mean, Toronto's bench is going to murder Golden State's bench. And and don't get me wrong, I know the way Golden State plays, like, they don't take out all their starters. Yeah. Like, they, you know, they kind of stagger their minutes and whatnot. But I'm looking at just in terms of bench unit, Fred Van Fleet can give Toronto some some production. Pascal Siakam sometimes coming off the bench. I mean, you look at what Marcus Saul does sometimes coming off the bench or Serge well, that, Ibaka. That's if Toronto makes it. Well, but I think but those I, Milwaukee Bucks are going. But I have Toronto. You see, that's my notion. I've had Toronto since the beginning. But I mean, I'm I'm just looking at you know Golden State with with a bunch of teams that have depth, and that's my only worry with them. And my my second worry is Demarcus Cousins. I'm, I'm gonna state it again. Playoff time. It's his first year in the playoffs, and he's been playing some pretty bad defense. He really has. So it, how is that gonna step up? I mean, Demarcus Cousins. He obviously looks a little slower, but his game does not rely on speed, so it really does not matter. But I'm just worried on how he's going to play defensively because you got if you if you're playing against a guy like Nikola Jokic in the first round or you know someone else of that of that caliber is like Demarcus Cousins. What are you going to do now? You know, pressure's on you, kind of. Well, I mean that's that's why they signed a guy like Andrew Bogut to fill in that position. So Andrew Bogut's definitely going to play a key role come playoff time, especially later in the game. They probably have him on on defense, but it's just all about seeing how they can adjust, how they can work things out. I mean, they seem to do it. The first two seasons without really a deep bench unit. So I, th- I think they'll be good to go come playoff time. I'm going to go ahead and switch the topics. So, you know, especially recently, there's been a lot of issues going on with referees. And, you know, Greg Popovich got ejected in the first minute of the game against against the Denver Classic Nuggets. Greg. And my question to you is, how should the relationship between players and coaches be improved with the referees? Well, first of all, I think we got to improve the referees in order to improve that. Because, I mean, the referees have been going over proportion this season. They've been ejecting guys for almost nothing. We've seen that with the Trey Young, where he just hits down a big shot and he just stares at the guy. It wasn't even for, you know, more than two seconds. They eject him. I mean, a couple nights ago in Minnesota, Durant, there was just, you know, horrible calls called late in the game. It was a little touch on... Carl Anthony Towns' jersey, the ball's way over his head, it goes out of bounds, they call a foul, the game ends. I mean, these referees have just been, you know, ejecting guys for no reason. They've been missing calls. They, And I'm going to sit here and say it, I think it's all due to, you know, I think they're getting paid, you know, on, on the outside. It just seemed to, sh- after they approved that whole betting and things and whatnot last season, it, it's been looking bad. And I think this Warriors team, there's a lot of money to be made for their failure. So these referees are, you know, their, their bucks are going to go up come playoff time. And I think it's something the NBA needs to adjust before it gets out of hand. Uh, it's already I don't know what kind of conspiracy theory you got going on, but I think in order to improve the relationship between players, players, coaches, and referees, I think, first of all, 
these referees got to have thicker skin. And I think that's, 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 that's got to be number one. You know, sometimes you said the Trey Young aspect. Why do you eject a guy for that? I mean, like, well, I don't understand that. He hit a three, turned around, put his hands on his hips, and stared at a dude. That's not, wor- that's not worthy of an ejection. That's not even worthy of a to, – to even give the player attention that's to. It's not even worthy of a warning. I mean, that's, that's exactly – like, you're exactly right. I don't understand what, what was the point of that. I will say this, though. I think that the NBA Players Association and the NBA Referees Association, they kind of have to – they have to get a meeting to get together this summer. I don't know when they have to get it. They have to get a meeting together and discuss guidelines within the game discuss what's going on, discuss how to fix everything. And I just feel like, especially as Chris Paul, Chris Paul is the president of the NBA Players Association. And he has not been a great role model within the NBA so far, especially this year. If I look at it this year, the fight with Rajon Rondo. Well, I, mean, he, I mean, the dude spits in your face. No, 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 but hear me out. You're the, you're the player of the Basketball Association. It's like, if, he, if your president is fighting, what kind of image does that give to the rest of the players? I understand that he's spitting his face, but I'm still looking at it as like this. You're the president. you got to hold a certain standard, and, you know, we can't let up on that. So I will say this, though. Chris Paul, you know, for, for all the things that he's been doing this year, they just got to go back to the drawing board. They got to talk everything out, see, see what, what how, excuse me, how to fix everything, what to fix. And I'm looking at it like this year. This year there's 16, oh, excuse me, 1,683 texts. Last year there was 1,428 texts. So it's like texts have gone up 200, like 200 texts. That's, you know how many texts that is? Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. So, I mean, obviously these referees have to be, have to have thicker skin. And, I, and that's, 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 just, that's really the way I look at it. It's like, and, and I will say this, though. There was a good tactic used by the NBA refs, creating a Twitter, describing calls and whatnot. I think that's one step to improve how things can go forth in the NBA. Because you look at a lot of fans, especially like you, you despise refs. A lot of people despise refs. I mean, I don't despise refs. I think it's just, it's gotten out of hand. And I think it correlates because, I mean, later last season, they have approved that, you know, whole betting thing. I don't know how it works, but I mean, who knows? I mean, these refs could be getting paid. They've been blowing late games. They've been blowing games to where calls shouldn't have been called or games where calls should have been called. And it's as if they just looked right past it. So if you don't know how it works, how are you going to assume that the refs are getting paid? No, I mean, I get the gist of it, but I don't know the, you know, full details and stuff like that. So I don't want to speak of something out of the open. Right but, on. I mean, it correlates to, you know, the end of last season up until now. And, I mean, we've seen that all season. Durant, Curry, and they, they got to really limit the fining. I mean, a $75,000 fine within three guys. I mean, I think that's ridiculous. Ibaka gets fined. What was it, four hundred fifty thousand for an altercation? Well, but to, to be like, fair, like he choked the dude. Like if you come back, yeah. he chokes on you, swing at him. It's like you deserve to be fine and and a suspension. Yeah, but as if well. you watch the video, it looks like Marquise Chris as he looked over him. He said some you know very very vulgar. And who threw the? But I I look at it like this: who threw the first punch? Yeah, but hundred fifty four hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. Yeah, no, you're right take, on that. I think they should just take it easy. They should allow more things to get by. I mean, I understand. I mean, we don't know what words are being said because we don't, you know, hear those things. But I, I, I don't think it's that severe to where you just, you know, throw a guy out for mumbling a word on the other side. I just think these refs have felt felt as if they have, you know, too much control and too much power. I mean, at the end of the, at the end of the day, you're, I mean, you're just a referee. I mean, I'm not downing anything, but you, you can't just make your position higher than what it is. I think it goes back to the NBA, like the like the top top of the NBA. They want the NBA to be portrayed in a certain aspect, and who's really in charge of that? 
it's honestly kind of the referees. You look at how they can control the game, you know, the fluidity of the movement and whatnot, how players can adjust to the game and whatnot. The refs are in charge of almost every single thing that goes on within the basketball game. So I'm pretty sure that there's something coming from the top saying, hey, we don't want any type of negativity going on. Fights are not a good thing for us, especially what happened with Ron Artest and the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. I mean, that was a bad look for the league. So I understand what the refs are trying to get to, but I agree with you on this point. They're kind of they're kind of going too far on things. I mean, yeah. you know, ejecting a dude for for little things. If Greg Popovich is yelling at you, is it, first of all, I can understand if it's third quarter. You know, things are getting a little tense and whatnot. Greg Popovich is yelling, giving you the mouth and whatnot. Okay, that's okay, but it's the first minute of a basketball game. Like I I don't I really do not understand. It's the first minute of a basketball game. I don't, can you not withstand it for one minute? Like, like these referees classic. really got it. This is classic, Greg. And I, I don't know what kind of training that they go into, but I just feel like thicker skin should definitely be a thing within these referees. I mean, if everyone's getting constantly ejected, techs are going up by 200, then I just feel like that that's a notion that these referees are getting a little more sensitive or these players are just – and I will say this. One thing, one more thing that we can go ahead and switch the topic is this has, this has always been a recurring theme as well. If you look at every single season – at towards the end of the season, techs usually go up. Yeah. And I, I think a, a reason for that is like, if you think of it like this, imagine you're in a room with your little brother. You will get annoyed of him in, in a matter of two hours. And that's kind of how it was within this NBA season. I feel like a lot of teams are and a lot of players are annoyed with these refs. They've been with these refs for a little too long. They want to get their break from the refs, especially these non-playoff teams. I mean, you look at who has the most ejections in the league. It's the Phoenix Suns, the yeah. worst team in the NBA. So it's like, I kind of understand the notion, but this has always been a reoccurring theme. Refs got to get thicker skin. I, I would like to see the refs' view of point on this whole situation. I mean, we've heard the players say this and that, but I'd like to hear the refs say, you know, these guys have been foul-mouthing all game. They've been saying things that shouldn't have been said. They've been, you know, throwing words at fans on the sideline. And, you know, give us a reason why they act in the matter that they do. And, and there probably is a, a, a clear justification because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, these guys are professionals. Yeah. So, I mean, we're saying here, like, you know, criticizing them for what they do. They probably have a, a solid justified reason to why they ejected, like, Greg Popovich in the first quarter yeah. or why they fined Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and whatnot. So... But there's a rule that needs to be made for poor old Greg. They need to make a rule to where, you know, you can't you can't eject Greg, all right? The guy seems to get ejected twice a season. And as a coach that he is, I mean, you just got to take it easy on the guy, all right? Greg is Greg. But anyways, we're going to talk about some LeBron James, Space Jam 2. He's been having trouble recruiting. Will this carry on into free agency or, you know, or what do you think? Um... I actually do feel like it might carry on to free agency. I think everyone knows, especially people that are listening, one thing I cannot stand in the NBA are Lakers fans. I've had a clear, justified like hate for Laker fans. I do not like Laker fans. And honestly, seeing LeBron James not being able to get these free agents and whatnot, it's kind of depressing. I, I will say that. As a LeBron James fan, not as a Lakers fan. But, I mean, not being able to recruit players to your movie is is a whole different aspect of not recruiting players to your team. If you ask NBA players right now, hey, you know, do you want to be in Space Jam? 99 out of 100 of them will probably say yes. But if, if you probably throw in the word with LeBron James, they might say no. And that's what it comes down to. It's like I, LeBron James, I don't know what type of cloud he has going around him, a, a cloud over his head that he just cannot attract people to work with him, whether it's business, whether it's basketball. I don't know what's going on. But, I mean, I will say this, 2019 free agency, it's not really looking good for the Lakers. It's looking like the marquee free agents in Kevin Durant probably going heading to New York or to, or to the, excuse me, the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, Clippers or Brooklyn, 
Kyrie Irving, New York, or or the Clippers, or Brooklyn. I mean, it's it's you don't really hear the L.A. Lakers going on, around, you know, going around and on around. Excuse me, in NBA free agency talks, and it's kind of depressing. I mean, you got LeBron James. That's that was the best player last year. I really don't have him as as, as it this year, but it's depressing. See, I mean, with LeBron James, I mean, he, overall throughout his career, the only time he's really had a had a good time, you know, recruiting and things like that was towards his trip to Miami. I mean, if you look at Kyrie Irving. It was more of, you know, he joined the Cleveland Cavaliers and they traded their, you know, number one pick, Andrew Wiggins, for Kevin Love, which, I mean, 90% of teams would have probably made that trade just considering Andrew, Andrew Wiggins' potential at the time. But overall, in terms of, you know, bringing in a superstar, since the Miami days, he hasn't really done a good job. I mean, guys have seen that, you know, when LeBron plays with a superstar, your your stats seem to go down. I mean, you're not... You're not as you're, you're kind of not into the spotlight. LeBron takes all the credit, and I think that's become a big reason why guys were shying away from joining him in terms of free agency. I know a big part of it was you know Magic Johnson not being able to really attract these guys, not being not throwing his full interest as Paul George said. You know he wasn't he was like I wasn't you know the main option right away. So I think. I don't think it all to blame is LeBron James. I think you can blame Magic Johnson into a certain, you know, sense of things. But overall, I mean, it's not looking good for LeBron. And, I mean, this team, this team, the thing is they have to land a free agency this summer because the chemistry in that locker room is broken. The relationship with some guys is not looking too good. You talked about how LeBron James hasn't recruited ever since his Miami Miami Heat days. And you're right on that. Don't I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. But I also will say this. You know how hard it is to recruit players to come to Cleveland? Like, that's probably the hardest thing to do in the NBA. Like, getting a superstar to come to Cleveland, Ohio, I don't know who in, who in their right mind would want to do that. But that's that's how that's the only reason why they got Kevin Love. If Kevin Love was a free agent, I guarantee you he probably was not going to come to Cleveland. They would have. They, that, that's why you got to trade for him. And, I mean, now he has the aspect that, okay, I'm in L.A. A lot of people should want to be coming to play with me. It does not seem like that. And it's like... I I really don't get what's going on. I will say this in Cleveland, they did not attract anyone. Also, is because they paid a lot of players like unreasonably amount, like bad amounts of money. Tristan Thompson has a horrible contract. J.R. Smith was getting paid. I mean, there was a bunch of players getting paid. And you know who was whose fault it was? It's really LeBron James. He said that he wasn't going to sign with the Cleveland Cavaliers if Tristan Thompson did not get yeah. his bag. And that's what it came down to. So I mean, I look at what LeBron James did, and sometimes he rides for his boys. And which is a good thing, or sometimes he kind of, you know, puts people out in the spotlight, like like he did with that young court in L.A. with Kyle Kuzma and whatnot. Put him on the trading block. So we don't really, we really don't know what's come, what's gonna come with LeBron James. I'm kind of, I'm kind of um, just suspect about the whole situation. It's like, man, if you can't recruit players to come to your NBA team, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you can't come, if you can't recruit them to come to a movie, that's another thing. I mean, there's a lot of guys who just don't want to get involved into filmmaking during the season. I mean that that's it'll when, be during the off season. Yeah, it will be during the off season. But I mean that off season is you know everyone's main time to grind. I mean we've seen that with D'Angelo Russell, Kevin Durant. That's 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 the moment where you get better. But I just feel like this: Michael Jordan was able to get who a Patrick Ewing to be on the set, a Muggsy Bowes. He was able to get yeah. a lot of players on the set. LeBron James from these from these reports is looking like he cannot get a single soul within to, to, to even come to it. Like, I don't understand that. I just feel like a lot of players, I think it's a smart business decision. If Kevin Durant was to come to Space Jam, you know how much money he would make? You know how much marketing, like his marketing would go up? I just think it's a smart business decision. I don't understand why players don't want to do it. 
I mean, I guess it's just all about their interest. I mean, some guys, they want to be in that movie making. Durant's already made a movie. It didn't go too well. Maybe he's like, you know, I should shy away from that and just focus on basketball and business rather than, you know, the Hollywood side of things. But that's just how I feel. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, get too out of hand with the LeBron recruiting for Space Jam, but I think he should be more, more worried about his recruiting in terms of, you know, the real game rather than the movie. No doubt about it. No doubt about no it. No doubt. It's Sports Decaf. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up, guys. Peace you out. You already know. See you, boy.